Brought to you by CareFeed, Senior Community's central place for seamless communication and engagement with their residents, families, and staff. CareFeed's HIPAA Secure Communication Platform digitizes and automates antiquated processes like paper admission agreements, satisfaction surveys, and care notifications, and seamlessly distributes them via text, email, or voicemail. Learn more at carefeed.com. Hello and welcome to the Glowing Older Podcast, where we interview experts on innovation in senior living and the business of aging well. I'm your host, Nancy Griffin, and I'm so pleased to be here today with Andrew Sokolowski, founder of Live Well Health. Welcome to the program, Andrew. Thanks for having me, Nancy. I'm happy to be here. Oh, thank you. Well, before we dig into your company and all the great things that you're doing, tell us a little bit about your background. To, I guess, keep a long story short, basically, um, I've always been involved in the fitness side of things, but more so from an athletic standpoint. Um, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, and from there, basically, in the early stages, I was interning, shadowing, whatever you want to call it, with a fitness expert. Um, that fitness expert was actually working with a lot of professional athletes, though. So I definitely got a understanding and curiosity when it came to fitness during that stage. And from there, I continued on with my education. I received a bachelor's in exercise physiology from Bowling Green State University in Northwest Ohio. And it was actually in my final semester in that class or in that uh, program that I actually came to start working with quote unquote special populations in what we work with today as the geriatric population. Ah, well, that's a, a great segue into my next question. So tell us about Live Well Health and uh, what you do with the senior living community. So what I noticed when I first moved to Southwest Florida was number one, obviously it is one of the retirement capitals of the world. So a lot of the individuals here are 65 and older and we have senior living basically on every corner that you can imagine. But one of the things that I noticed was this idea that a lot of the individuals within senior living were going to physical therapy. And typically that physical therapy from the home health standpoint was anywhere from two to six weeks. And then an outpatient standpoint would be anywhere from four to eight weeks. But there wasn't really anywhere for these individuals to turn following that physical therapy stint. So what I found was individuals were kind of getting into this cyclical process. That is, there would be a fall and physical therapy, home health side would come in. They would be discharged to the outpatient. They would be okay for two to three months. And then guess what? another fall would happen or an injury or pain or something along those lines. And so what we've done at Live Well Health, is we, we've stopped that cyclical process from happening. So our services can be seen as geriatric personal training in that we work with individuals over the age of 55 or those who have a chronic condition that might need a little bit more attention than your typical personal trainer. Well, what a great service you provide because I noticed that um, there's only a couple segues into wellness, if you will, in senior living and um, rehab being one of them. But like you said, it's temporary by nature, especially the way the financial system set up around it, correct? Right. I mean, you know, physical therapy is, it's a stronghold within the senior living market. It's definitely something that is a necessity and physical therapy does everything possible that they can do. And in my early stages of this 
career, I thought it was the physical therapist who was kind of in the wrong, right? I, I didn't think that they had the best intention of the patient in mind, but ultimately what it comes down to is the system itself. So with Medicare continuously changing these physical therapists, director of nursing, all, you know, all of the people involved, they have to try and stay on top of things and provide what they can for their residents. And at times that becomes very challenging. That makes perfect sense. It's it's just set up and this kind of institutional, this is how we've always done it. So it sounds like you're breaking the mold a little bit. So tell us about specifically the types of services that you offer and how you work with the communities. Right. Um, and you're, you're spot on. You know, it, it's kind of one of those things where it's the senior living they have, they definitely have their way of how things have worked. And we are starting to break that mold a little bit. And I think you're starting to see that with a lot of the other senior living facilities as well. They're, they're starting to invest in wellness. So as what we do is, you know, we come in and it's, it's not necessarily a formal partnership. We haven't had the opportunity to do that with a senior living facility quite yet. But what we do is we come into the facility and we start talking with their nursing team or their administrative team and let them know that we can be of service to them because after discharge, discharge from physical therapy, we can help to quote unquote, close that back door, right? So we can keep the residents healthier so that they can then stay within the building longer. And it's just what it sounds like, you know, it's, it's personal training. So we can coordinate with the nursing team and the previous physical therapy team to understand what this patient truly needs. And then we can develop our program around that along with our assessment process as well. So clearly you're bringing a big piece of the wellness equation, you know, staying physically fit and such, but in your experience working with these communities, and of course, I'm not asking you to bash in any way, shape or form here, but um, what is missing when it's coming to wellness and senior living? The one idea that's missing is the idea that seniors are capable. Um, I think that the senior living community, and, and, and I don't, like you said, I don't want to single anyone out, but I feel like we're of this notion that individuals within senior living are handicapped. Um, they don't have the ability to do things. And that's why some of these wellness modalities are pushed onto them, but they're pushed onto them in a way where they don't necessarily want to participate because they're seen as incapable. I think our team does a wonderful job of coming in and providing kind of a, a bit of different care in which these individuals, they might try something new or they might try something challenging. And our team has the ability to motivate them in order guess what? It happens and now they're hooked. Now they want to try something new each and every time that we're in there, whether we're leading a wellness class or whether we're working with them one-on-one. -on -one. So we really pride ourselves on going that extra step to push these individuals to doing things that they might not think that they could ever do. And like I said, once they do that, they're hooked and they really, really want to improve on their wellness as a whole. So what, what's the average length of time you're working with each resident? It, it varies. Um, when, when we talk with families, it's, it's kind of two sides of the spectrum that we work with residents. It's the individual that wants to stay proactive. So maybe they're living within the independent living side and they see what goes on kind of in the other sides and they don't necessarily want that for them. So they're going to continue working with us. And that's either to understand how exercise works and what sort of a program they need to follow. So they might work with us for eight to 12 weeks to really hammer home the basics of exercise. And then get, we can, quote unquote, discharge them to go off on their own. Others 
especially within the population that we're working with, they're not as accustomed to exercise and they need someone to hold themselves accountable. So that's when we can actually stay on with them throughout the course of however long they want. The beauty of our service is the fact that Medicare does not hold any power over us. It's simply the individual themselves. So if they like what we're providing and they see the benefit in it, they can continue to work with us. If not, then that's where they can go a different route. So it really does vary from individual to individual. And are you finding that it's more the more affluent communities that are um, that you that the residents are willing to pay? I, I hear sometimes the residents can balk at the out-of-pocket services that are provided. It, it definitely is. Yes, cost and the fact that we are a private pay service is definitely a barrier to entry. Unfortunately, there isn't much we can do about that right now. I would love for Medicare to cover some sort of a preventive service in which we can state that. You know, these services are keeping so-and-so out of the hospital from falling, thus reducing healthcare burden and healthcare cost. but we're just not there yet within our healthcare system. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's true. And that's a great segue into my next question, which is, what are your metrics for success? I'm sure you must get asked by the senior living communities that sign you up. Obviously, they don't have a huge out-of-pocket, if anything, with you because it's a resident-driven service, but, um, you know, what, what are you using as metrics for success for your clients? So number one is going to be their goals. Are we helping them meet their goals and those goals that they set in the beginning, were they realistic or did we have to dial them back a little bit, right? Because if the client isn't happy, then no one's really going to be happy in that sense. Number two, we're keeping an eye on what sort of care they basically had when we started and then what they're progressing to. So as I mentioned, we get individuals both sides of the spectrum. Maybe instead of that independent living resident, now we're working with an assisted living resident who's living alone, but they're kind of teetering on the edge of senior care, right? So if we start working with them and now they have to hire private duty care, we kind of use that as a dock on our metric. And that's not something we necessarily want to see. Of course, there are other factors at play, but we're keeping track of, okay, does this individual need private duty care? Have they moved from independent living to assisted living? What's really going on on that aspect of things? Yeah, it occurs to me that something like fall prevention, which is what all the communities talk about, it's it's so costly uh, on so many levels. But it seems like that a resident wouldn't necessarily want to talk about fall prevention. They want to talk about quality of life and improving their balance and things like that. So uh, maybe the industry oftentimes doesn't get the right messaging and that's why they don't get the the acceptance and the utilization. Right, right. And that's that's one of the things that we're seeing as well. You know, we utilize a pretty neat technology and that technology that we utilize has allowed us to kind of create normative values within these various living facilities, independent and assisted living. So what we found is that the metrics that we collect with that technology allows us to compare two like individuals and the residents of senior living facilities absolutely love understanding how they compare to their peers. You know, they want to know, okay, I'm within the 50th percentile versus my friend over here who's within the 35th percentile. Not that it's a knock at their friend, but they know that, okay, they are, you know, they could be doing better, but there is also a worse side to this equation as well. Is that, does that create a friendly competition that's motivating? 
It actually does. It actually does. We, we do a number of, you know, balance and strength activities within the senior living facilities. And oftentimes we'll have individuals come through one time, they hear that their friend has done it and they got a better score because we give them a little scorecard when they leave. And then guess what? They come back around for round two to see if they can beat um, not only their score, but their friend's score as well. So it, um, are, uh, besides that technology, I don't know if you want to share specifically what it is. It, it's uh, it's up to you. But um, are, are there any other technologies that you find exciting when it comes to uh, to the wellness or fitness side of working with older adults? So, yeah, we work with a company called um, Vald. So V-A-L-D. It's actually a company out of Australia. And um, they typically work with professional athletes and like high functioning physiotherapists, things like that. But we came in contact and I had told them that we work with the geriatric population and they started to get a little bit more intrigued. So what we do is we utilize two pieces of their technology right now. And then we're adding a third um, force decks are what they're called. So we're going to detect force output, power output, and then a couple of balance metrics that again, we utilize with our clientele and then within senior living facilities to show normative values. We use another piece called the human track, which is kind of another balance and range of motion uh, piece of technology. And then we're getting a third, which is a, a handheld dynamometer, which is one of those items that's typically used to in research to understand overall physical functioning, strength, and things like that. Wow. So how far um, up the continuum of care can you can you work with what population, meaning do you go as far as skilled nursing, memory care, uh, you know, the, the more needs-based, or do, are you staying back towards independent living, active adult, that, that, that assisted living? So it's interesting you bring that up. Um, we actually started in memory care communities. And the reason ah. for that was because Medicare, again, kind of said, hey, look, this individual's not necessarily progressing based on their standards. But we started to work with those memory care communities because obviously exercise is a big component to the care plan with someone who has Alzheimer's or dementia or something like that. As of late, we've started to see a great increase in collaborating with home health companies and skilled nursing facilities. One of those reasons I think is because they're short staffed but also many people now want that recovery process to come so much faster. So maybe home health is only in twice a week. Now we can supplement with the family as long as they're willing to pay out of pocket and we can be in three times a week. So now they're receiving that physical therapy or that exercise five times a week versus maybe only two. And the same can be said about the skilled nursing. We've, we've seen an increase in, you know, direct referral sources from skilled nursing facilities, allowing us to come in, supplement our services with theirs in order to, you know, improve outcomes ultimately, but provide these residents exactly what they want when it comes to the recovery time and recovery process. And wow, what a huge market for you opening up into this space. I think uh, it was um, Senior Housing News called it the personal, personal home care industry, not personal care, but personal home care which is just ex- going to explode. And that's the, the non-Medicaid, Medicare-funded, out-of-pocket, but, but that whole spectrum of wellness in home. Right. I think it's going to be a, a huge aspect of what's to come. I mean, you know, we hear all of the statistics about the baby boom generation, 10,000 people turning 65 every day. 
I think we've only started to scratch the surface on what's to come within the healthcare field, especially as it relates to um, the aging population. Are there any other broad trends in the industry that you uh, would like to share that come to mind? I mean, I think the biggest thing we're seeing down here in Southwest Florida is concierge medicine. Concierge medicine has become a giant boom. And that has actually been a, a pretty good resource for us as well, because again, we talk about traditional healthcare where it's, you're in the physician office for maybe 15, 20 minutes, and it's kind of bing, bing, boom, you're out. And the same thing can be said at times about physical therapy. Maybe home health is only in there for 10 or 15 minutes to provide that physical therapy. When we add you know, the length of time and the ability to spend greater amounts of time with our patients and our clients, I think we improve outcomes and people appreciate it more. So we're starting to see more of that customer service aspect applied back into the healthcare system. Are you giving homework um, to residents and patients and and in home so that they can do, you know, continue like an entire program, even when you're not around? We do. Um, Unfortunately, one of the main reasons that we, you know, opened Live Well Health was the idea that that home exercise program that gets sent home from physical therapy is oftentimes left on the fridge or thrown into the (laughs) drawer. Not surprising. Yeah. So, you know, it's almost kind of a lost cause when we do that. Of course, there are some of our members that work that we work with that leave for season, you know, being in Southwest Florida, they head up north for the summer. So we send them exercise programs and things like that. And they're very diligent about doing them. But it's almost one of those things that it's just better off for us to be in with them one on one. Well, and I'm sure that you're combating loneliness and social isolation at the same time. Oh, absolutely. We saw a giant boom during COVID because of that. So families were contacting us because they they said, you know, mom and dad, they're not really ready for home care. There's no need for me to have someone in the home for four or eight hours a day, but I really need a second set of eyes and ears. And so they started utilizing us for that with also the added benefit of the exercise itself. They said, okay, if you can provide me an update twice or three times a week when you're going to see mom or dad, but then also providing them with the the physical activity, the exercise, it's a win-win for everyone. So it's definitely aiming towards that companionship as well. So Andrew, world domination on the books here, or are you going to expand out of South Florida? (laughs) Uh, Expansion out of South Florida is definitely in the plans. Um, but I see our services. I, I, it's not one of those things where I think you can kind of work your way into all parts of Florida and things like that, or all parts of the United States. As you mentioned earlier, we are working more on the affluent side of communities. And I think that there are certain specific senior pockets where a high population of seniors are living, where our services would be beneficial. So that's kind of what we're looking for into the future. But right this second, we're focusing on, you know, our our Naples, our Fort Myers and Benita areas. And is it challenging to find the trainers? We're lucky in the sense that we have two universities here that have a pretty great program when it comes to exercise physiology. So each member of our team is, um, has a minimum of a bachelor's degree in exercise physiology. So we have great opportunity for those individuals directly out of college to come work with us, which is also an added benefit to the client as well. You know, we talk about intergenerational relationships, how beneficial those can be. So we're really seeing how great it can be to pair freshly graduated 
college student with a 75 year old individual who to your point is battling some loneliness, but also needs that physical activity as well. How great that, uh, because I mean, that really is just by design intergenerational. Right. I mean, it's perfect. It could not get any better. Yeah. Well, I can see why you're in such a sweet spot that you want to be careful about how you expand. Absolutely. So Andrew, what gets you most excited these days? What gets me most excited these days? Hmm. I would say it would have to be some of the simple stories that I hear from our team. So I, I like to meet with our team periodically throughout the year and understand what's going on with their clientele and things like that. And I think it's the simple stories. You know, it's it's the the wife who hasn't necessarily been able to get down to the ground because of her recent diagnosis of MS. But then her husband, you know, asks her to do something and she shows him up by getting down to the ground and getting up on her own. It's it's the stories that we get to hear from our clients on an everyday basis that whether they're working with us at that time or maybe they've gone up north and they've started to play golf with their son or something like that. I think that's what keeps me motivated, the the ability to impact more than just this individual but now a grandfather can spend time with their grandson and that grandson can remember their grandfather in so many different ways than what many others might not necessarily be able to experience. I love that. And I think it, it's such a lesson about how to market these types of services to older adults that it's not like, oh, you're going to not fall, but you're going to get to spend more time with your grandchildren and improve your quality of life. You, you can't really do much better than that. Absolutely. I mean, everyone wants to be able to, you know, keep up with their grand- grandchildren. I think one of my goals, you know, I see my grandfather um, and he plays golf with me. Every time he's down here in Florida, he, he plays golf, 18 holes of golf. And one of my goals is ultimately to be able to do that as well. By the time I'm a grandfather, I want to be able to play golf with my grandson when he's 18, when he's 30, when he's, you know, whatever age it might be. But I just want to be able to keep up with him or her, I guess I should say, like my grandfather has done. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for all you're doing to improve the quality of life for older adults. It's really nice to see. And I love that, you know, that whole empowerment and not, you know, not looking at them as fragile, but looking at them as perfectly capable. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. Well, thanks again for joining us. Uh, Thank you for having me, Nancy. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to the Glowing Older Podcast.